Anybody glad to be here? Glad you're here. Hey, next week is uh, first Sunday of the month. So around here, that means we have what's called our welcome lunch. Talking to anyone, everyone that's new or relatively new, and you've never been to our free, amazing, outstanding, delectable uh, (laughs) uh, lunch happens first Sunday. Come next week if you'd like to. Uh, We'd love to have you. After the second service, which is this one, come and we'll give you the inside scoop of who, what, when, where, why, and how. And uh, tell you all the uh, good stuff about the church and what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so uh, we have forks. Leave your own fork at home. And we can use, you can borrow one of ours. We, we licked it off and it's ready to go for you next Sunday. Everybody ready for some word today? Praise God. If you have your Bible with you, go over to the book of Joshua chapter 1. If you got your paper Bible or your Bible app on your phone, Joshua chapter uno. And uh, we started a series a few weeks ago that we're going to continue with today. Welcome all those in the cafe service as well. What's happening? Open your Bibles with me. Don't be at home. There's like those people at home that are watching. They're not even opening their Bibles. (laughs) You know what it's like when you're watching on a screen. Sometimes you don't fully participate, do you? I bet they didn't even stand up for worship. Uh, we started this new series called The You Factor. The You Factor. We're, we're seeing from God's Word how uh, that ourselves, we ourselves have a big part to play in our success in life. It's not all about God's choice, His choosing. It is about our response. It's not all about circumstances and things of this world and things that are out of our control. But uh, He has put this in our court. And so Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 reads this way. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And so we've identified over and over again that this particular verse deals a lot with you, deals a lot with our personal part to play in our prosperity, our success. And and, and so we want to recognize the elements that exist in our lives that keep us from winning, that hinder us from succeeding, that block our success. We want to, if you use this language, self-succeed as opposed to self-sabotage. And many times there are things that exist in our lives and and we're totally getting in the way. I mean, God wants to do amazing things and show us uh, amazing things in life, but we're in the way of it. We're blocking it. We're hindering it. We're sabotaging our our own life. Um, You might wonder and might ask the question, is this a a self-help message type of series? Well, I would say yes and no. Yes and no. Yes, in this regard... um, It is us taking what God has said and applying it to our lives so that we can succeed. If we don't do that, He's not going to do it for us. 
He's not going to step in and cause it to happen. I know in one sense, I can't help myself without his help. But there, there is a role that I have in this equation called taking God's word, taking his promise, obeying what he has said. And when I implement these principles, I cause myself to succeed. Everybody with me on that? Okay, so we, we understand how this works, but the, you know, the observation and the meditation mentioned in this passage, those are not things that God can do. Well, I'm just praying that the Lord will, will cause my life to be successful. Well, what is he going to do? Meditate for you? What is he going to do? Observe his word for you? No, this is something that's on, on our side of the, the equation. I must observe. I must meditate day and night. If I will do that, I make my own way successful. And God can't do that for me. Amen. Amen. Now, in, in discussing and sharing with you even last week about the, the nature of a human being, how we are designed, how God created us in three parts. I encourage anyone to get that message that missed it. But he designed us as spirit, soul, and body. Uh, I'm constantly looking at scriptures and meditating on his word and so forth. And when I read different words, I need to be aware if they're talking about the physical side of me or the spiritual or the inward side, okay? It, when I read the word heart in Scripture, is it talking about my, my, my pump, you know? Or is it talking about the inward part of my nature? Uh, when I see the word eyes, is it talking about my physical eye? Or is that verse talking about something else? When, 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 when Jesus said, like, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Is that talking about the physical hearing? Is that talking about my eardrum? Or is that talking about a different kind of ear? And, and so we have to have an understanding of Scripture to know what, he, what in the world he's talking about, lest we totally misapply all these words. And so uh, often when we see something mentioned that has a physical description, but it is uh, not used in a physical way, it's talking about something inward as a part of our being. Um, by looking at the external, we can get understanding and revelation of what the internal is doing, what's happening. And we know that in God and in, in the kingdom of God, our lives are changed not from the outside in, but from the inside out. True, good, and godly change happens when we see something. It happens when we understand something we didn't understand before. It's not, I'm waiting for my ship to come in. I'm waiting for the winning lottery tickets. I'm waiting for, for something to happen externally. And then I'll be, yay, victorious. <laughs> it's when I get it inwardly. Okay. One of the things we give a lot of attention to in life is, is our eyes. All right. We decorate them. <laughs> we, we put things on them. We protect them. And, uh, and I was thinking about all the things we, we wear on our eyes. And so we went around the house, and I found some of the different things I've put on my eyes over the years. And uh, I used to play racquetball, and so I had these. 
And uh, if you've ever seen those pictures of someone who got hit with a racquetball, with a, it's not pretty. <laughs> Motivates you to wear the glasses. These are so old, I can hardly see you. They're all scratched up and fogged up. I guess I need to get it on the court again. I can still win. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but we, well, sometimes we wear things like this for, uh, you know, to, to protect our eyes from, from various things. And, uh, and, and I, found, I found some other ones. I found these. These are good for swimming. And uh, if you ever go in the swimming pool, you don't want to get chlorine and stuff in your eyes. And you want to look. You want to look around as you swim. And uh, you, wear, you wear something like this. I'm wearing these. There's kind of a gray tint to these, though. And uh, I don't know why they did that, but I can't really even see you as well with these on as I could see you with that when I had these off. But at least, uh, you know, keep the water out of my eyes. But it does change my perspective, changes my view a little bit. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, some of you have these, right? Some of you who go snow skiing and snowboarding and all that kind of stuff. Now, this is interesting. I put these on, and I can actually see you better. You're brighter now. And uh, I might just leave these on, because... <laughs> you people in the back row, when'd you get here? <laughs> and, but, but literally, they brighten things. I guess that's so you can see when you're going down the hill and see the, the terrain and see the moguls and different things like that. But uh, it'll keep the, you know, the weather... If it's snowing or something or ice pelting, keep that out of my eyes. But also allows me to see better. But it changes my, uh, changes my vision a little bit. Um, what else? Oh, I found these. Um, you ever seen these? Some of you don't know what these are. These are called foggles. These are foggles. Do you know why they're foggles? Because I can't see you at all. <laughs> I can only see the feet of the people in the front row. And... Uh, See, these are, I, I use these, um, th these are designed to simulate uh, instrument meteorological conditions when flying. In other words, it's to pretend you're in the clouds. Because when you put these on and you're flying, the only thing you can see is your instruments. It's for practice. So you can't look outside and then you have a, you know, a safety pilot there to make sure you don't crash. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, but but those those definitely change my perspective. It changes what I can see. I can see some things, and I cannot see other things. And it's intentional, all right? Sometimes we intentionally don't see things. And then uh, uh, some of you know about these. These are the kind that you, the things that you wear on the edge of your nose, right? <laughs> and you do this. <laughs> do I see anybody out there today that got these on the edge? Of, well, those are, uh, what do you call these? Readers, readers. I was going to say bifocals. That's not what these are. No, uh, uh, but readers. I know those. It makes me dizzy when I look down. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, they they magnify your the words on your page or something like that, right? And so that that gives a different perspective. And then there are other times, like uh, I wear these on Mondays. These are um, <laughs> these are more just for decoration. <laughs> No, these are, these are my wife's. Uh, the, the, no, really, they are. Um, uh, those are just for, what do we call those? Fashion glasses, fashion. 
Now, we all wear, a lot of us wear, I wear sunglasses. I don't, don't have my sunglasses here. Uh, they just make you look cool, right? No, sunglasses keep the, keep the brightness out. If you go from a, a room like this and you go out and it's sunny, bright, sunny day and you have to squint sometimes. I understand that's for people with lighter eyes that have that more than darker eyes, but uh, you have to squint. So we wear sunglasses that helps us to, to see things. And then sometimes I uh, see, see even in my own kids, they want to wear glasses. And like, what are those glasses? You have, you're wearing glasses. And they're not corrective lenses. They're just like, um, they don't do anything. You know, there's no tint. There's no corrective nature to them. They're just they're like, why would you do that? I don't get it. How many wear just glasses just for show? Right. Uh, no one's going to admit it. Okay. All right, Wendy. Uh, but we, we do a lot of stuff with our, with our eyes. And, you know, I, I was considering, again, these, the elements of seeing because we see that language used a lot in Scripture. Let me show you a couple of verses so you can get on the same page with me. Proverbs 24, or no, excuse me, Proverbs 4, verse 23, 4.23, it reads, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your what? Keep your heart. That's not talking about your pump. Not talking about your physical heart. It's talking about the inward part of you. Probably in this case, it would be the spirit and the soul together. Uh, it said, guard that. Keep that. Protect that. Why? Because everything in life comes out of that. So that's one of the most important things that I do in life. Not, pro- not just protect my physical heart, you know, say with... Uh, you know, a, a diet of a certain nature or something, but I protect my inward being, the inward part of me, because out of that comes everything. You could have a perfect diet and a perfect exercise regime and, 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 and do a lot of things well with your physical body, but if you don't protect what the Bible calls your heart, you're in trouble. It'll eat your lunch. Life will ruin you quickly. Uh, so he said, keep or guard your heart, And then over in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, it reads this way. I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Now now, now think about that. Your your heart has eyes. So we know we're not talking about the physical man, right? But your heart sees. If I'm supposed to guard my heart and my heart has eyes, then I, I could say it this way, I should protect and give attention to the eyes of my heart. What, what, what do the eyes of my heart need? They need protection. They need light. They, they need an ability to see. Uh, that's why, you know, like we put some physical lenses on and they brighten things and others just cut the light down and stop certain rays from getting in. But our hearts have eyes. People who wear glasses, um, what I see is, the, uh, and some of you totally understand this and relate to it, you're constantly cleaning them, aren't you? You know, got, sometimes I see people with a little, little bottle of something. And they're spraying and, and cleaning them. And I have to do that with sunglasses. I like to wear sunglasses some. And, uh, but it annoys me how they're always dirty. I mean, I don't even know where the gunk comes from. It's just like, seems like there's always a little smudge on there. And all of a sudden I'm looking and what is that? What is it? Oh, it's on my glasses. Uh, how many know if you don't regularly clean your glasses, whether you wear corrective lenses or sunglasses or something, uh, if you don't regularly clean them, you're going to see the whole world through your smudge. 
you're going to see other people through your smudge. You're going to think something's wrong with everyone. <laughs> right? But what, what's the reality? Is you've got something that needs cleaned off. Um, if, we, if we don't keep the eyes of our heart constantly clean, then what's going to happen? Our perception of life, our understanding and relationship with God, with other people, is going to have that smudge in it. And how many recognize that if you've had a tint, a color, a spot, a smudge on you for very long, meaning the eyes of your heart, you won't even recognize that it's there. You'll think that's normal. Well, everybody looks this way. Well, actually, they don't. And when you pray and relate to your Father in heaven, you'll speak to Him and, and about certain things, in, and it'll be tinted by that, that lens that you're looking through. And you'll relate to Him totally different than someone else who's got a clean lens. And, and so, uh, understanding that this is reality should, should kind of wake us up and cause us to think. Man, is there something there I don't even know is there? Uh, an old friend the other day said he had, a, he had an eye surgery. And, and he said one of the things that happened afterward was, one, he, he got 20-20 vision. I guess it didn't, didn't have it before. So he could see clearly. But he said the other thing that happened, he said everything was bright after this, this eye surgery. Everything was brighter. He said they took off, I don't know, understand how this works. He said they took out these old brown lenses his, the lenses on his eyes were dirty, I don't know, scratched, but he called them brown. And he said, now everything is bright and clear. Well, I wonder if he, re if he fully realized that they were brown before. I wonder if he fully realized how things really looked. I don't know, I start, I start thinking, okay, this is how I see the Father. This is how I see my family. This is how I see you guys. Is that the way they really are? Or am I, am I seeing it through something? Maybe I've got this lens of tradition. Maybe I've got this smudge of religion. Maybe I've got this, this tint of, of hurt. Maybe I've got this, this skewed vision. And I'm seeing everything and I think I have a perfect perspective and I'm dealing with everything the right way. But it's all clouded up and it's all influenced by my lens. And this is something, because of the potential of it being there and me not knowing it, makes me seek answers. Uh, everybody with me today? In, in, in other words, it's not uncommon for those who have, I've seen this happen many times, for those who have fallen, those who have fallen into sin, that their response to their own failure is to blame everyone else around them for their mistake. You ever seen that happen? It's totally Ill illogical. Seriously, you're going to blame those people for what you did. And yes, they are. Wow. I wonder, well, remember Jesus talked about having a plank in your eye. And when the people who have a plank in their eye want to find the problems in someone else's eye. Yeah? I wonder... Uh, does, does a, a selfish person, do they know every time they do selfish things or do they not see it because of their selfish lens? 
uh, there was a situation a while back with uh, a family. They had a, a, a loved one in the family passed away. And as soon as that happened, of course, they were trying to contact um, others in the family to let them know what happened. You want to talk to people usually firsthand when something like that goes down. And one person, uh, as soon as they found out about this death, they immediately got on Facebook and, and posted it. And what happened is others in the family found out then about the loved one in their family pass, passing away through social media. How many think that could go bad? <laughs> you know, that could cause some hurt feelings like, what, what, what? They're seeing that there and no one... But I, I said in response to that, I, I said, I think the person who did that, I don't think that they were trying to hurt anyone. I don't think they were being intentional. I think that all they recognized was themselves. They were the only one they were conscious of. So it never entered their mind that if I do this and, you know, basically elicit sympathy for me, then I'm not even aware that some people are going to be hurt by that. And I think that happens all day long. Does the selfish person know they are? Does the negative person know that they're negative? Could it be that, that the person who's always seeing the, the glass half full and they're always describing life and situations from a negative perspective, could it be that they don't realize they're doing it? That if they were asked, and maybe as we bring it up right now, they're sitting, well, they're online. They're not here. <laughs> they're sitting there thinking, yeah, some people need to think about that. <laughs> Is it possible that we do that to ourselves because we don't recognize the lens we're looking through. We don't recognize that smudge because it's been there for so long. And uh, these are the, the kind of questions I want to ask. You know, what glasses are you wearing? Do you even know that you are? Or are you the only one that's totally uninfluenced? <laughs> See, we live in a world, and I know the enemy is at work, the enemy being the devil, Working through culture, working through media, working through schools, working through all kinds of stuff in order to taint our view of reality, to skew our understanding of the way things really are, to warp our revelation and understanding of who God is and how much he loves us. You know, so many people don't know that. They think about God and it's kind of a negative thing. If you only saw him in, in reality, though, if you could only see him clearly, if you could only realize his great love and power, it would change everything. But we don't always see it that way. Parents, if you have kids in school, uh, could I encourage you? Um, stay involved. Because you, you know the stuff they're trying to cram down their throats. Some of it's, well, some of it's okay, some of it's good, and some of it's horrible. I mean, there's a, there, this is one of the reasons why people are flocking out of California by the droves. Because they don't want to raise their kids in that environment with their crazy policies and their indoctrination just to warp everyone's view of reality. See, that exists. And what happens is we put the glasses on, we get the smudges, we get the tints, we get the colors. And before you know it, we think, well, I see everything fine. They don't know what's happening. So what I'm saying is this, unless we regularly carry around our ch -ch -ch -ch. <laughs> unless we can regularly do that to our heart, we're going to be warped in our vision. We're going to see things in an, in an incorrect way. Have you cleaned your lenses yet today? 
knowing this potential that it exists, what it, t- what it says to me is at the very minimum, I'm saying, Father, help me to see what's really there. I'm praying, Lord, enlighten my eyes. May my heart be flooded with light so I can see the truth. But let me share with you, man, th- th- you guys are doing so well receiving that I'm not even getting to my points. <laughs> uh, one of the things we shared with you last week was a scripture from the book of James chapter 1. Let me give you a part of that again. James chapter 1 and verse 21. The middle of that verse reads, receive with meekness the implanted word. Now, remember the context. The end result of that is the saving of the soul. Okay, that phrase is really meaning the same thing that Paul said, that Paul called the renewing of the mind. Okay, saving of the soul, renewing of the mind. What is necessary to bring that end? To receive with meekness the implanted word. What is meekness? That's humility. In order for me to ever see any potential lens, smudge, color, you know, obstruction in my perception of reality, I must have humility. If I do not have humility, I will deny the even, even the possibility that anything's wrong in my vision. I'm not even going to consider, especially if you tell me something that's different than the way I see it, I'm going to dismiss your perspective as warped and colored and everything else, but never even embrace for a moment the idea that my perception could be wrong. Humility is vital to our, to our healing in this area. It's, it's a key to positive change. Some people read the Word of God the same word that others read. And one person is changed and the other person is not. One person, it lights them on fire and says, glory to God. And they alter their existence. Another person says, ah, yeah. Same word. Same potential. Same power. Different view of it. Some sit in a service like this and say, best service I've ever been in my life. And someone else says, you got to be kidding me. Right? Same service. Someone will be saved and have their eternity changed. Someone will be healed. Someone will be straightened out. Someone will make decisions that will alter the course of their, of their destiny. And others will be on their phone. Not paying attention to anything. Same word. Say, there, there, there's a need for humility. Sometimes this is revealed. Uh, our, our proud hearts can be revealed in how we relate to one another. Um, there, there's, that, there's the approach where we act as if there's nothing wrong, ever. It's this, it's this false front. I'd never have any problems. Never would let that barrier down. That's going to be a hindrance to change. Your lens is going to stay dirty, buddy. It's, a, it's, a, it's an attitude of pretending to know everything. Well, I already knew that. We never want to reveal that we learned something. <laughs> we never want to uh, give, give an impression because, bless God, I'm educated or I've been around. I've, I've know, I know some things. And if something new is presented, we're not going to show it. You know, even if we learn something new, we're going to act as if we already knew it. It's a spiritual pride. It stinks. It really does. And it's a, it, it's, it's a great hindrance. Um, you know, if someone comes, maybe, you, maybe you've been a Christian for a while, 
and, uh, and you've been around and you've studied the Word and you come into a place like, like this and you hear things about healing and people being set free and delivered from physical problems and mental issues through the laying on of hands and the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit. Well, for some, that's hard to accept. Because that you've been taught maybe that that stuff doesn't happen anymore. That's stuff you though that church puts on their sign of their healings and, and stuff. That that's some kind of phony baloney. Well, watch out. Because a, and, and a, a resistance of that might keep you from ever seeing it. What others see so clearly. There needs to be a meekness about receiving the word. When the word is presented and it's different than what I thought, do I have the humility to consider and to alter my life and the way I think? Or do I get to dig in, oh, I've never thought that way before, I've never believed that. I know, you've been wearing the same glasses your whole life. A guy told me years ago, he, said he, was, he was invited to preach at this church in, uh, up in Canada. And he preached in the church, and he said, then we went out fishing with he and the pastor and some elders in the church. And he said, I led all of them to the Lord. I said, really? Yeah, the pastor and the elders or the leaders of the church, none of them were saved. None of them were born again. And he led them in salvation. You know there are pastors that are not saved. You can become a professional. It can just be a career. It can just be, I'm trained, I've got the qualifications, uh, but they don't really know God. And I appreciate the fact that those guys humbled themselves and said, yeah, I'm Reverend so-and-so, I'm going to hell. (laughs) And they humbled themselves to say, wow, I didn't know this, I didn't see this. They probably were steeped in religion, but never had a personal relationship with the Lord. And they got born again. See, but how many know it takes uh, humility to even acknowledge that, even to go there? Pride will keep people away from receiving the very change that they need. Amen. This kind of heart, they, they don't like to uh, uh, be impressed. They don't want to show anyone that they're ever impressed. If they, might be imp- they might be totally blown away, but their face will be, yeah, hmm, cool. They won't express anything. You know, it's like you get a new car and you're showing, you're showing them your new car and they're looking at it, yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, I like last year's model better. I see they changed a few things. And, uh, but this is still pretty good. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> they don't want to act like, you know, you got something that they don't. You know, they'll say something like, yeah, I was going to get this one. But uh, I decided, you know, I like the manual windows better. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, this has got some good things in it, but I kind of like mine. <laughs> Proud. It's a person who wants to one-up you on everything. Anytime you tell a story of, of something that happened, well, that happened to them too, plus. Plus a little bit. And a little bit more. <laughs> you know, I jumped off a 20-foot cliff into the water. Oh, cool. Yeah, I did 25. <laughs> well I went to the moon well I went to Mars (laughs) or whatever always a little bit better 2 Corinthians 10.18 reads for not he who commends himself is approved but whom the Lord commends let's seek his approval and humble ourselves and stop trying to impress people
That might have been worth coming right there. Just that one statement. Go over to Romans 12. Let's uh, finish over here for today. Romans chapter 12. And, and notice with me verse 3. Uh, I, I, I want to give you this tie-in. When we read James about the saving of the soul, he said, receive with meekness the implanted word. When Paul talked about it, he called it the renewing of the mind. Do you know what he also tied to it? Humility. In other words, the soul will not be saved without humility. And the mind will not be renewed without humility. You can receive the same word. You can look at it. You can read it. You can be in a church. You can uh, receive teaching. But without humility, it won't ever get in. It won't ever cause a change. You will never see the smudge. You'll have the smudge before, during, and after hearing God's word. Romans 12, 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Look how we're told to, how we're told to think. This is right after renewing of the mind. Think soberly. Don't think too highly of yourself. Why do we want to think soberly? Well, think of a person being drunk. Think of their perception. Think of why there are laws that say it's illegal to drink and drive. Why do we not want people to drink and drive? Because when they get behind the wheel and they are under the influence, they are not going to perceive reality the same way I do. They're not going to perceive it correctly. They're not going to judge distances and speeds and all these things. And they're very likely going to get in a wreck. Yeah? And if we're told in Scripture um, to think soberly, we're told to think clearly. You need to have an accurate understanding of the way things really are. If I'm thinking under the influence of, I'm under the influence of, of a million different things, I'm going to make poor decisions in life and it won't lead to my success. See, drunk people do stupid things. They make poor decisions in life. Look at, look at, uh, you know, all the major problems. They're so often connected to that. They are. People just don't think the same. And from a spiritual perspective, if I will humble myself I am going to start thinking soberly. If I, this doesn't mean I beat myself up and call myself a good for nothing. It's okay to say positive things about yourself, right? The Lord does. We just do it with the right heart. We're not bragging. We're not trying to impress. We're not trying to put down anyone else. But we're acknowledging good things. I want to have a sober understanding of life, of God, of people, and only then can I receive this implanted word. Only then will God's word renew my mind. Only then will I see, oh, wow, everything's yellow. I didn't know it was yellow, but I was looking at God's word. I was meditating in it, and I looked up, and I thought, I've been seeing things through this lens for years. And only then we can pull it off. Only then we can change our thinking. We can alter the way we view life and things.
Amen. Amen. Praise God. Say it out loud with me. Say, I have room to grow. I don't see it all. I don't know it all. There are changes I need to make in my life. Is that kind of a hard statement? So, well, I don't know of any changes. I know, but acknowledging the very potential. Because if I know a change I need to make, I should make that. But what if I need to make a change and I don't even see it's there? Here's what's necessary. Here are the components that allow us to see it and then allow us to make change that leads to success. The components are this. I approach God's Word with a humble heart. And then secondly, I take whatever He has said. I meditate on it day and night. Without the humble heart, I'll meditate on it and I won't see it. I won't get it. And if I see something, I'll immediately block it and say, that's not me. That's not my issue. That's not my problem. But if I'll approach him with a, with a humble heart, that's also an open heart. That's also... And now I see things the way I've never seen them before. And I tell you, when you see it, I know this is bad English, you can be it. When you see it, it changes the whole world. Amen. Just like my friend see, having those brown lenses. He didn't know how brown it was until it was fixed. I want to get things fixed. Praise God. This brings us back to the Word, meditating on it. It will show us reality. This clear vision will help us to make our way prosperous. Praise God. All right, I'm ready to start now. Next week. That sounds like a joke, but when I prayed, the next part is where I wanted to start. And it took five weeks to get there. All right, so we're going to get into some things. And, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> Amen. Father, we thank you today.